So, Hannah, what did you do last summer? I went to work every day because I'm an adult. I sure didn't murder anyone. I feel like you're just saying that, though. I so definitely that- <laughs> did not manslaughter anyone. Okay, um, but you, there was that week where your car was in the shop getting bodywork done. Well, I was, uh, was rear-ended, so... The person didn't have insurance, so I didn't report it to insurance because I didn't want to pay. It's a long story. You don't need to know. Well, what did you do last summer? For the last year, four friends have kept a secret. Are you on drugs? No. Well, then what is wrong? I've had a rough year. But not all secrets stay buried. Somebody sent this to me. Oh, my God. Someone knows. I know what you did last summer. Ooh. What they thought would be a new beginning. Toast to us. Is becoming a dead end. Somebody tried to kill you last night. We have to go to the police. If you wanted me dead, he could have done it. And the mistake they made. It was an accident. There was no accident. It was murder. What if he's still alive? Hey! What are you doing here? Is coming back to haunt them. Oh, my God. I know what you did last summer. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer. Starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr., and Ryan Philippe, the only one without a three-name thing. I know, buddy. I know. Come on, you sound so unimportant. I know. He was also probably the worst one in the movie. Which is saying a lot, actually. Johnny Galecki? Wasn't it? I know it was so funny. I was like, "Oh, no one, no one guessed." Out of all of these people, yeah, you would be the most successful. Seriously, current, like financially, currently being relevant the longest. Yeah, yeah. it's that guy. Good news, he's still as smarmy looking as ever, though. <laughs> that did not change. That's how he got so many jobs. Yeah, the, the movie starts after like two whole minutes of establishing shot like we're on the coast of Maine or wherever they are we had to put our credits over something yeah exactly so we see a teenager sitting on a rocky cliff in Maine looking at a locket and drinking he looks overhead to fireworks and that's where we get our sweet transish to the Croker Festival I guess where Helen Sarah Michelle Gellar is in a beauty contest to become the Croker Queen. That sounds like a good thing? Sure. Croker Queen. Yeah. The CQ. Yeah. Her boyfriend, <laughs> Barry. Okay, the boys' names in this <laughs> sound like 50-year-old men. They're named Barry and Ray. It's weird. They were like um. 90s heartthrobs. Barry and Ray it is. Well, Barry, at least, is, looks like a country club kid, and I think is one. Yeah. He's the rich one. He's the richest one. So, like, I could see Barry as being, like, some rich guy's name. Yeah. I don't know about Ray. I mean, I can see Ray being a low-class fisherman's name, but not at 19. It's hard to imagine (laughs) a 19-year-old named Ray. Well, better than going by Raymond. I mean, your options are limited. Yeah. I mean, the thing, like, my point is that they weren't (laughs) limited because it was a screenplay, so someone made a bad choice here. True. Helen's boyfriend, Barry, Ryan Philippe, and her friends, Julie and Ray, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr., are cheering from the balcony. Helen's answer to the question for the contest is that she says she wants to serve her country by moving to New York City and becoming a serious actress. So we have double confirmation that she is the brains. <laughs> also, her friends, the guys, Barry and Ray, are up in the balcony being super sexist in front of Julie. Yeah, I know. Which was weird, because she's not into it. Well, she kind of, like, laughs it off, too. She's like, guys, I'm already on sexist overload, so stop it. Ha 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 I'm agreeable. Right. But I'm just like, this is weird. Like, please don't say stuff like this in front of your lady friends. Rose, it was it's the not 90s. attractive. Oh, true. It was the 90s, and they it's how you know they were teens. Carefree <laughs> teens. Uh, Helen wins the contest, and they go celebrate at the festival, where she tells Julie that when she's a big-time lawyer, she can't forget that it's all about the hair. 
because I don't want to have to learn a single thing about these people <laughs> past 10 minutes into this movie. Tell me everything now. I will not learn it later. Also, how are these people friends? You've made them so different. They don't seem like they would have any common interests. Rose, that's like the whole story, man. <laughs> they're like so different, but they're friends. But then what happens when, when they get ripped apart? Maybe their differences will show even more. Yeah. We'll I mean, to out. be fair, these people wouldn't be friends one year into college anyway. Oh, gosh, no. These are like the people you awkwardly see when you visit your parents. And they're, they're all are also visiting their parents you yeah like, exactly. get together and you're like oh hey like what's up with you like i have nothing in common oh, with you hi yeah. yeah i found myself in college we're not friends <laughs> max johnny galecki offers julie a free jello shot and asks to take her out creepily and doesn't want to take no for an answer even though she has a boyfriend i know and he knows it but who is Freddie Prince Jr. But everyone's terrible here because Barry shows up and shoves him away and starts a fist fight. I did not enjoy Barry. And I, but I, I know we're not supposed to enjoy his character, but like, I didn't enjoy like his face or like his whole deal. No. Ryan Philippe. He, I just had a hard time picking. So I would have been too young to see him as a teen heartthrob. And like, and he doesn't, I work, didn't get it. He, well, he doesn't work outside the nineties. Like he yeah. had an, he was nineties hot some people have classic good looks. He does not. He was Neither very did Freddie Prince Jr. era specific. Yeah, but Freddie Prince Jr. is better. Yes, he's a lot better than Ryan Philippe. But I, I never understood his. Appeal. But neither one was working for me. But to no. be fair, neither were Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sarah Michelle Gellar. No, everyone was not great. But it was super sweet. I mean, it's super sweet that Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar have been married for a super long time. Oh yeah. I mean, like, I'm glad something good came out of it. But, like, I don't care about you as actors or people or uh, your faces. Yeah. Well, for, I feel negatively, actually. I do care about their faces, <laughs> but it's a negative kind of caring. Sarah Michelle Gellar is actually really pretty, but she's not a good actress. She can be pretty. She makes a lot of faces that are dumb, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the friends all leave and go to the beach and tell scary stories around a fire. They can't agree on which version of the story is correct. Freddie Prince Jr. got it right. Also, why are they acting like there is a correct version? Like, oh, if this really happened They're somehow. all, like, telling different stories, too. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, do you know how many urban legends there are? So they're telling the, the one where the there's, like, a guy with a, an escaped mental patient or whatever, and with a hook for a hand, and then, like, the hook is on the car door when they get out at home. It, but, yeah, like, they're all, they're like, no, it was this other thing, and there was a noose, and he was hanging, and I was like, dude, you're telling different stories at this point. That's too <laughs> yeah. different. But Freddie Prince Jr. for sure thinks that this really happened. He claims that urban legends are American folklore that usually originate from a real-life incident. I'm sorry, do you mean folklore like the way fairies are folklore? Like, these things are not real. I know. I was like, dude, there is American folklore, and this is not it. Right. So, this is like Davy Crockett stories or American folklore based on real events. I know, exactly. So, they're all talking about their futures after high school, and... Julie is worried that Ray is going to go off to college and fall for someone at a different college. So they ensure that that definitely won't happen by having sex for the first time on the beach. Oh, yeah. Now they can never the break up. The best place. Oh, gosh. That's how, it's so terrible. It's really <laughs> the beach at night. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, New England beach. <laughs> yeah, right? So as they're leaving, Barry is super drunk. And eventually agrees to let Ray drive his car. How is he the only one that's super drunk? Yeah. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. apparently hasn't been drinking at all. He's the... Yeah, we never see him drink. But also, I'm like, these kids don't seem like they would carefully select a designated driver for the evening. So he just decided not to drink? I know. I don't know. But Barry does his best to distract the driver by turning up the music and hanging out the sunroof while pounding liquor straight from the bottle. Uh, don't worry, a cop definitely wouldn't pull you over for that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Which he then drops in Ray's lap. So while they fumble with the bottle, Ray hits a man that he didn't see crossing the road. Ray feels for a pulse and says he thinks he's dead. Only Julie wants to call the cops. Okay, guys, I just want to say to anyone who's listening, if this happens to you call the cops. And we know it will. <laughs> yeah. Call the cops 
Because for one thing, you're not going to get in that much trouble for it. There was a man crossing a road on a dark highway in the middle of the night. They will do a blood test or a breathalyzer on you and determine that even though your clothes smell like alcohol, you are not drunk. They claimed that, like, they wouldn't believe that Freddie Prince Jr. was driving and they would they would insist that it was Barry. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, which they is, can't do that. Like, yeah, which Barry was actually injured and, and they would be able to tell based on his injuries where he was in the car. And Barry is the rich one. Yeah. So they absolutely wouldn't try to pin it on him. Yeah. I mean, and here's the other thing. that He's like, uh, we're going to fry for this no matter who takes the fall. Dude, if you're in a car with somebody who hits somebody else, even if it's on purpose, you're not being part of the sentence. Yes, and even if it's a DUI that resulted in manslaughter, you're not going to go to the electric chair for it. I know. One of you is going to study to be a lawyer. Yeah. Like, come on. This isn't rocket science. Well, she's saving the studying for college, Rose. Going to study. (laughs) Clearly. But considering he wasn't drunk... And they could probably pretty easily convince the cops that he was actually the one driving based on things like injuries and stuff like that. The fact that they ran over someone on a country lane in the middle of the night when it was super dark, like, you're not going to get in trouble for that. Also, honestly, why doesn't Barry just leave and then they never say that he was there? Another excellent point. So, anyway, Ray is scared, though, because he doesn't have well-off families like the rest of them. And eventually, they do try to dispose of the body. While they're moving it, Max drives up in his truck, and they pretend Barry is just barfing rather than moving a body. Nailed it, guys. I know. That was clever. I was thinking on your feet, which is especially good for a drunk person. Down at the docks, they have the body ready to sink, and as Helen goes to push him in, he grabs her hair. Still alive! So now's the point when you start getting into electric chair territory. Yeah, for sure. Now you are. You already upped the ante so much by agreeing to cover this up. Yeah. Hit and run. That's, uh... Well, especially hit and run where you're not even... It's not even a hit and run. Hit, bury, or hide the body in the ocean. Yeah. And then run. That's, yeah, uh, exactly. That's tampering with Yeah, that's going to get you quite a few a years. Body. But now he's still alive. Now it's straight up murder. Yeah. <laughs> You're just making the situation worse and worse. Impossible. So he gets pushed over the edge, and then Barry dives in to get her crown back because he had it in his hand. And comes up shouting that everyone has to agree to take this to the grave. Showing his true colors by grabbing Julie by the throat when she won't say it fast enough. They really went overboard with Barry's character. Like, he's such yeah. a caricature of a an arrogant, doesn't care about anybody else guy. It's also really weird that Helen, Sarah Michelle Gellar, the beauty queen, was the one that was like, fine, I'll dump the body. I know. I'm like, whatever, you'd be fainting over in the corner. Like, based on the character they've drawn of you just being a huge bimbo, there's no way that you would do this. <laughs> Bring me my divan. <laughs> yes. Next thing we see is Juliet College reluctant to come home for the summer. Man, she looks like a heroin addict. She super does. She looked great in in high school, and now she's just, like, lank hair, unwashed, so pale. Yeah. So mopey and sad. So when she gets home, she's incredibly mopey and withdrawn, to the point that her mom is like, are you on drugs? Valid question, considering what I just said. It totally is. When her mom brings in the mail, there's a note for Julie that says... I know what you did last summer. So, Julie's terrified because of this scary, scary note that is not even written in blood. I know. Come on. She goes to the store that Helen's family owns to get her New York number, only to find out she's working in the store now. Like Who would have seen that coming? Yeah. Also, this store was really dingy and small. It was also weirdly not very nice. I mean... But, like, in a different way than dingy. So, it seems like there were just, like, there was merchandise everywhere. Like, boxes and stuff all the time. And I get that it was because they were like, look, people are working in a store. What do store people do? Move boxes? I don't know. I write movies. But also, they had things like a fragrance counter. Yeah. But it was a really small store. I know. But they also had, like, men's suits and jewelry. Yeah. And, and like, the lighting wasn't good. Like, it was not a good set. This didn't look like a store rich people would own. No. It made me think, like, well, maybe her family's not very well off. Yeah. Like, they own a bargain store or something. That's kind of what it looks like. I know. 
Especially because later when we see her dad, he's just like staring at the sports TV <laughs> yeah. at home. And I'm just like, well, he's not, look, he doesn't look movie rich. Yeah. I don't know what to think about that. But yeah, shockingly, the girl that went to New York for acting it didn't make it. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. So she tells Helen about the note that she got, and Helen got one too. And Helen's like, well, it can't, it can't be about that. We, how, how did anyone see? We were so careful. And I was like, no, you weren't. You're a bunch of drunk teenagers. Yeah. Who did this on the spur of the moment because you had to. That's not being so careful. It doesn't matter if you were like, oh, we'll, we'll make it a secret and like we dumped the body. That's not being careful. Being careful is you plan it for six months. <laughs> yeah. And you have everything taken care of. And you know stuff about like forensics and stuff. Yeah, seriously. You, y'all just like grabbed that man all over and were like, fingerprints, here you go. Exactly. So they go to see Barry to see if he knows anything. And this marks... Probably the time in the movie where we see him in almost nothing but a wife beater from now on. Barry is like, how do you know this is even related? And it's like, uh, I know what you did last summer. What do you think that's about? What else did you do last summer that someone might be trying to blackmail you over it? Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. And I just hope people know about it. Julie is like, guys, this is very obviously about this. Um... And she says that the man they killed was David Egan, who was found three weeks later, ruled an accidental drowning. She looked up news articles, and so that's how she found it out. They all haven't seen Ray in a while, but he's supposed to be working as a fisherman now. So that's why he's not here, I guess? That's why nobody went looking for him? I don't understand why they went to Barry and he's, didn't care about finding Ray. Yeah, no, he's dead to us now. Yeah. We're not going to associate with a fisherman. Nope. Barry thinks that the letter writer is Max, since he was there that night and may have seen them moving the body. So he goes down to the crab shack or wherever Max works. It's somewhere with crabs. And roughs him up, even though Max says he doesn't know anything about the letters. Barry is convinced that's the end of things. He's so confident when he walks away. The girls are like, what did you do? And he's like, I took care of it. Everything's fine now. Well, he is a, he is a pretty big idiot. So <laughs> I, I believe true. this. He's like an overly confident idiot. So I totally believe that he would do this. I believe it too. It's just uh, very funny. So they're leaving the docks. And Ray shows up, proving by his physique and dress that he has never fished a day in his life. <laughs> he has He's wearing a tank top, but he has no tan yeah. at all. Well, it's because he's always wearing a rain slicker, Hannah. Oh, gosh. And he's wearing the cleanest pair of pants I've ever seen. So Ray feels like Julie holds him responsible for what happened. And she says, I don't hold you responsible. No, I'm responsible for my own actions, and I don't blame you. But I don't want to know you either. No, no, no. That's not how anyone would phrase that. I don't want to know you? That's weird. You already know him. Yeah. I don't want to see you, maybe. And also, it's a weird way to phrase it, because it seems like, well, I mean, I don't blame you, but, like, also, you're a terrible person. Get out of my life. And, like, that's not really what she means, I assume. I assume what she means is, like, I just can't be friends with anyone like, it's not just you. Yeah. can be friends with any of you. Yeah. You remind me of... The worst day of my life. That time I murdered someone. Yeah. So, back at the Crab Shack, there is a classic murder, with Max being fish-hooked as he works on the crabs, unable to see clearly the slicker-wearing fisherman through the steam. There's a huge fish-hook that this guy keeps using, so... Yeah. yeah. And also, they're, like, clearly it's supposed to be referenced to, like, the the urban legend that they were talking about earlier right exactly hand, which i'm like did this guy know that they were talking like did he hear them talking i know about right this? or is this just like a crazy coincidence this is everyone's weapon of choice in new england maybe it's just luck yeah also i'm like it's not in your hand buddy it is you're just holding it i know like, exactly i i demand pirate levels of hook hands for this urban legend i know barry goes to the gym which is also on the docks because everything in this town is on the docks it's like only docks. Well, it means a small town in New England. What else would it be? Well, exactly. It's just a fishing town. Yeah. That's how I picture New England. <laughs> it's like that or cottages. That's all. I don't know anything else. Congrats. You nailed it. There's nothing else there. Thanks. I thought so. So Barry goes to the gym to work out and afterward finds a Polaroid of his car parked outside, which is actually pretty creepy. 
His keys and his jacket are gone, and the car drives away as he runs outside. And then it starts chasing him, and it hits him. And he's just staring up at this fisherman, the fisherman. Uh, what do you want? As he's standing over him with a hook. And the next scene is Julie, Ray, and Helen showing up at the hospital where Barry is alive. I know. We couldn't get rid of so that So much easy. suspense. I know. Like, this just, guy was the worst murderer of all time. Did you mean to leave him alive? He was the worst and yet also the best. Um, he was a very efficient murderer in a lot of ways. But then he just left this guy alive? We have to assume it's to torture him some more? Yeah, I guess it was. It was definitely on purpose, and I don't understand why. Anyway. Because we just couldn't get enough of Barry. <laughs> That's really what it was. They tried to kill him early, but audiences said no. <laughs> we need more of that guy. I know. I was kind of impressed that he was willing to play someone so unlikable. Yeah. Well, he also played someone pretty unlikable, I think, in Cruel Intentions, also with Sarah Michelle Gellar. And then that's just his deal, I guess. I guess so. Teen Heartthrob, who plays unlikable people. Which is funny, because then he married Reese Witherspoon, whose whole deal is likable. Maybe that's why they got divorced. No. (laughs) Observation. (laughs) Barry suggests that maybe it's Ray, because Ray owns a slicker. I have You're living in a fishing town and it's mostly dock. I feel like a lot of people own a slicker. So there's a long pause before he says, You are not gonna throw this on me. And only then is everyone else in the room like, oh yeah, don't fight. Like don't don't fight. Uh this isn't getting us anywhere. And I was like, Y'all were all curious. You all wanted to hear the answer. Yeah. Everyone turned around and looked at him and they were like, Are you? And then he was like, No, I'm not. Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody, come on, stop fighting. That's so dumb. (laughs) Barry still doesn't want anyone to go to the police, and they say maybe they can talk to whoever this is. They think it must be a family member, so they search online to find some of David Egan's family. They also find an article about how his fiance died two years ago when the car David was driving spun out of control. Helen and Julie go to see his sister Melissa, played by Anne Heche by driving to her house in the country and pretending to have a broken down car and needing to use her phone. Because it was the 90s. Yeah. You you could still do that. I know. I remember listening to people talk about how much harder it got to write horror and, like, mysteries in general when cell phones were such a common thing and they were like, well, now we have to figure out why don't the phones work and why don't you have a phone? Yeah, it had to either be, like, low battery or there's no cell reception here. Yeah. I guess things like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stayed the same level of ease. Exactly, yeah. No no reception out there. Everything else, it had to be low battery because no one ever charges their phone in a horror movie. (laughs) Exactly. Or the phone gets broken. Or that. So, Julie tries to get Melissa to talk about her brother, but she doesn't say much other than that she lives alone now because her dad died a long time ago and her mom is in a nut house because she couldn't handle what happened to David, so... So, nothing to feel bad about here. Nothing to feel bad about victimless crime. Also, this person is clearly on her way to the nut house. Oh, she totally is. There's a reason she's played by Anne Heche. Yeah. They pry about his friends, but Melissa didn't know them until one, Billy Blue, which, come on... That's a weird name for a dog, not a person. I know. I'm like, if this was a if this is a person, then they're a weird drifter or like I know a blues singer. Yeah, that the they were 40 because they were like young in the 60s. Yeah. So Billy Blue came to pay his respects after David died, and then they dated for a little bit, but then they broke up. She's just like giving everything away. My mom's in a nut house. I dated this guy for a little while. What's your names again? <laughs> Such a weird detail to add. I know. So Julie loses her nerve and they leave. But I thought this was really clever. Like, they go back to the car and they're sitting in there and the car is on because they were like, oh, our car broke down. We are waiting for AAA. We're just going to go wait out in our car because you're weird. Right. But then she follows them out there. I know. She's and like, she's like, I see your car started working again. And that's when we were like, whoa, get away fast and never come back. She was bringing them their cigarettes. Yeah. But I was like, that's clever. Yeah, it was good. Like, hold on. Hey. Makes me know now if if I do this. Yep. To keep my car off until right before I leave. Yeah, wait a long enough time that you can say like, oh, AAA came by and they jumped to me and... I know. Yeah, so you probably have to sit out there for like an hour. Yeah, exactly. 
So Helen gets home and her father barely notices. He doesn't look up from sports game. So he also doesn't notice when Helen goes into the kitchen and the fisherman comes in the front door, which is like right next to him. Also, I'm like, how are these people so rich when your house looks super ordinary? Yeah. And both of your children are working for the family store. And they both live in your house. Yeah. They can't be that rich. They're not Barry rich. Barry's house looked really nice. It did. It kind of makes me feel like Barry is actually the only rich person there. And the other ones are just kind of like upper middle class. That's, I think that's true. And then Ray was like actually poor. Yeah. So he just felt like everyone else was rich. Yeah. Uh, So the fisherman goes upstairs before Helen does. And Helen goes into her room and it is heavily implied that the fisherman is in her closet as she gets ready for bed. I love the fisherman's confidence. Oh my gosh. He, and you know what? Results speak for themselves. He gets it done. And he didn't even know. Like he had no way of knowing whether someone would notice him coming to the house. Nope. He just did it. He sort of, it follows through this whole movie. He just like confidently walks wherever he wants. He doesn't run. He just confidently strolls where he wants to go. Yeah. And it gets the job done. Her sister comes in and wants her at the store early, but Helen has to ride in the parade as the outgoing queen. And her sister makes fun of her preoccupation with her hair and leaves. Her sister was the worst. Oh, she was terrible. Like, I get that. I get that Helen is probably not great, but her sister was awful. But I don't, I mean, I I guess the problem is we never see Helen being mean to her sister. We don't even see her sister until the following year. So her sister just seems unreasonably awful. We do see her once at the festival and she's mean to her then also. She's like, hey, do you want me to give you a ride? Like, do you want to ride home? And she's like, no, tell mom I'll be home late. And she's like, oh, little Miss Beauty Queen. And you're like, what? No, it's like your inferiority complex is causing problems. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why they did that. Um, I guess to make us feel sorry for Helen? Yeah, I think so. And I guess uh, to make sure that Helen had no support from another source. I guess so. Although they could have just had her not have a sister. Nope, not an option. (laughs) I just think that, like, I didn't really need her to have a mean sister to feel sorry for her. She's being stalked by a serial killer. I already felt sorry. And she... Failed her dream of becoming an actress in New York. Her dad doesn't notice her. And she seems nice enough. I mean, like an idiot, but like nice enough. Exactly. So now her sister just seems like the worst for no reason because they never really get into that relationship. They really don't. So the next morning, Helen wakes up with her crown on her head and her hair is all cut up. It's not like that cut up. But it's cut up enough that she's very upset. Yeah, there's, like, a chunk cut out of the back, especially. Yeah. Plus, it's, like, coming off, like, on her hand, so it's, right, like, that exactly. visible thing of, like, what's going on? Very traumatic. Yeah. And the word soon written in lipstick on her mirror. So I guess he did really leave Barry alive on purpose, because now he's just toying with them in That's general. That's true. She calls Julie, who goes to help her, but on the way over, she hears something in her trunk. She pulls over and finds Max's body in the trunk, crawling with crabs. It's really gross, actually. How did she not smell that? I know. Well, it's because crabs are odorless, Rose. I don't know (laughs) if you've ever been to a seafood restaurant or store, but they're odorless. That's our dead bodies. Yes. When they've been kept on ice, as this one clearly has, because he looks pretty good. And he got killed kind of a long time ago. When she comes back with Barry and Helen, why is Barry there? I don't know. <laughs> Never explained. Because Helen and Barry have broken up and they don't seem to be on speaking terms. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry, he's in a wife beater. <laughs> Max is gone and the trunk is spotless. And I mean, no water, no, again, the, the smell of any salt water is gone. How did this happen so quick? There's no way that this actually could have even been possible. I know. Unless well, you, like, had an hour-long conversation with Helen trying to convince her to come out and look at your trunk of your car. I know. This is the first of several cleanup jobs that this guy <laughs> does where you're like, no, come on. Yeah. Because also, I'm like, you would have had to be following her in a car, and then, like, maybe maybe everything was on, like, a tarp that he managed to just, like, shift over. Even then, though, that's a lot of crabs. I, f- I find it hard to believe they would have just all, like, stayed in one place and not wandered away. Because then my other question is, how did no one else in the neighborhood not notice this? I know, right? There was a nice young man with a bunch of crabs outside <laughs> your house earlier. Yeah. You took them off in his unpainted white van. Yeah, exactly. 
Barry is convinced that Ray did it yet again. And they, like, I don't know, walk over to his house, drive over to his house. I don't, I was not clear where this scene was I thought he was impossible to find because he worked at the docks somewhere. I know. Well, don't worry. Now he's, and, like, later he's just on a boat implying that he, at night, like, he lives there. (laughs) But now he's at a house. I don't know. night fishing, Hannah. Yeah, that's true. Night fishing. Thank you. So Barry punches him and accuses him of being the fisherman. What is it with you, Ray? You were dogging us from the start, weren't you? Always wanting to be our friend, always wanting to be one of us, but you were too jealous to handle it. I like Barry's confidence and just like, oh, it is exactly the person that I think it is, and whoever I think it is is just like the person that's nearest to me. I know. So right? like, first it's Max, then it's Ray. Now it's still Ray. <laughs> well, yeah. It Again. was never not Ray. He just hadn't beaten Ray up yet. Okay. So that's... he couldn't be sure that the problem was taken care of. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Ray must actually want to be falsely accused because he gives the least convincing well no it can't be me i got a letter too (laughs) and everyone's like you do realize that everybody else got terrorized in ways that we're not just getting a letter right and he's like a letter i got a letter yeah it must be so hard to send yourself a letter so julie breaks up the fight and they decide they need to find billy blue um They look in the 92 high school yearbook, but can't find him. So Julie wants to go back to Melissa and show it to her. How? How is this your plan? Right. After what happened when you left. I know. She's, first of all, clearly crazy. And second of all, she knows that you lied to get out there and talk to her. Plus, how are you going to, what are you going to make up a story like for this? Like, hey, I was just wondering who that guy was. Can you point him out to me? Please look through this whole yearbook. And Ray is like, uh, I don't want to do that. I think it's weird, and uh, we should just leave town. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're not doing that. So Julie insists that Helen has to still go to the parade in order to set a trap for the fishermen, with Barry watching for him. At the they parade, seem so confident that he's going to attack them during the parade. Which is such a crazy thing to think. He has an unlimited amount of time to do this. I know. Also, he cut your hair while you were sleeping. Yeah. Like, he, he clearly can get to you. This isn't his issue. Yeah. At the parade, it's clear that the fisherman did a terrible job ruining Helen's hair, unless she's wearing a wig right now. Well, she looks great. Yeah, she just got it cut shorter. But, like, not that short. No. Barry is playing it very cool by slouching on the front of the float. Why are you on the front of the float? In khakis and a very casual shirt, just, like, glowering (laughs) at everyone in the audience trying to see if he's there. Yeah. And... The way that they think they're going to identify him is by looking for a man in a rain slicker. How is this your plan? You know that he's not sewn into the rain slicker, right? Like, he can take it off. What is surprising is the number of people that are in rain slickers on a sunny day. Oh, it's a lot of them. Yeah. He, He goes after the wrong guy and everything. And it's like an old man, and I'm like, that old man looks fit enough, though, that he could maybe pull off some murder. I know, he's just like, well, that guy's old. That can't be And he's it. like, oh, I was like, well, that would be the perfect crime. Well, I guess because they think it's Billy Blue. Oh, I guess so, yeah. They so they're looking like for someone young, young enough to have graduated in 92. So Julie goes back to Melissa's house and tries to get her to ID Billy Blue, but Melissa uh, fairly asks, like, why? What the heck? What's wrong with you? And so Julie ends up saying, your brother's death wasn't an accident. And Melissa says, I know, he killed himself. I love that. Yeah. Uh, but I love that she doesn't question, like, why do you think that? And why? how is that connected to who Billy Blue is? Yeah, I know. Melissa didn't have a lot of questions. She only but just now... she was now, very free with information. So. Well, I know. She only just now is not handing out the information. Yeah. With no questions. So he's like, yeah, I know. He killed himself. He went there to die. That was the spot where Susie died the year before. He even left a suicide note. Which she easily finds. She easily finds. Even though she said she had to hide it from the insurance company in order to get the payout, she still kept the letter and put it in a spot that was easy enough to find that it only took a couple minutes. She also says, but I guess that doesn't matter now because that money's all spent. And I was like... No, insurance fraud still is a crime, and they would still make you pay reparations. Also, there was nothing in the letter that would be of a personal or sentimental nature that you would feel like you should keep it. 
Even yeah. though it could get you accused of insurance fraud. I know. What a dummy. Yeah, I know. Who Who is it who's like, I just can't bring myself to get rid of this suicide note. It brings me pain. She gets it out and shows it to Julie. And it says, I will never forget last summer. And it's the same kind of note that they've been getting. And it's not signed. There's nope. nothing else personal about it. It's not addressed to her. I don't know why she sees that and thinks, suicide note. Exactly. And Julie says, this is a death threat, not a suicide note. And she tells Julie that they ran over her brother and they didn't see him coming and it was an accident. And they know it was him because he had a tattoo of Susie on his arm. It just said Susie on it. And Melissa was like, he didn't have any tattoos. Get out of my house, you freak. Which is fair at this point. You should have said that like five minutes ago. <laughs> but she was also she like, there. didn't even want to hear what they were saying. And I'm like, look, if somebody was admitting to killing my, to running over my brother. Yeah, I know. I, I would at least hear them out. Yeah, right. So Julie realizes that they didn't kill David Egan, but whoever did is also their stalker. At the beauty pageant, Barry is watching Helen from the balcony to protect her. So, you know, it's a good idea to go up to a place where you're all alone and it's dark and no one can see you. (laughs) To protect the person who is on stage and being watched by tens of people. I don't know how many people are at this small town thing. Literally in a spotlight. Like, she doesn't need protecting right now, you (laughs) dum-dum. Well, also... I think it's pretty obvious from what happens soon that it takes about five minutes to get from where he is to where she is. So, like, what was the plan? Were you assuming that there was going to be someone up there who was going to, like, be there with a sniper gun or something? Like, what? They were, he was assuming it was going to be like that that Apple commercial where the the disc thrower gets a head start all the way back at the beginning (laughs) of the building in slow motion. Yeah, like what well, what they didn't you show in the ad was when she goes downstairs from yeah, the exactly. balcony area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So instead, he gets murdered while Helen watches and screams. And as she's running up to the balcony, like, oh, no, stop him. And pointing and, like, looking at the balcony, everyone's like, what? We can't look where you're pointing. Hold her back. Hold her so she can't Including move. Including the cop. I know. And the cop's just like, it, it's so opposite of the way that humans react to things like that. If, if somebody started doing that, you'd be looking around wildly trying to find the murder that was happening. Yeah. So And certainly what's the what's the harm in letting her go, like following her to where she is, sees it. Oh I know. They're like you have to be restrained immediately. So the cop goes up to the balcony finally to look in the balcony, but murder scenes are famously easy to clean up, so there is nothing there. And the cop's like, I don't think this is a very funny joke. He didn't even look around. It was like, if the body is not visible from where I'm standing oh, as know. soon as I get up here, there's no body. Well, because even, even though there's like, boxes and stuff everywhere. I know. They didn't even turn the light on. <laughs> because then later we see in the dark corner, there's like some blood somewhere. Yeah. This was just bad police work. What? In a small town? <laughs> I know. It's mostly made up of docks? From somebody who had already decided that she was crazy for no reason. Well, she's a hysterical female. <laughs> He uh, drives her home because her parents are worried about her. And he obeys a roadblock that is there for no reason with very unofficial sawhorse. And there's also, like, visibly no reason for that roadblock to be there. And he's like, well, it's a roadblock and I'm a cop. Gotta obey. Can't get up and move it. As a cop, you'd think you'd be like, wait, why is that there? It's blocking traffic for no reason. So he's like, well, better take a dark alley. There's a motorist who is... In the dark alley, this dark alley is so wide. There's someone pulled over to the side (laughs) looking at their engine. And, of course... That's why you have wide dark alleys. (laughs) It's true. To keep these people off the street. So that stranded motorists can pull over. So the cop's like, oh, I'll just be a minute. Gotta go help this guy. Helen realizes too late that it's the fisherman, and her yell only distracts the cop so that he is horribly murdered. This keeps happening from now on. People just scream like, no, behind you. Just, when, the, when the person wasn't even looking at them, they were looking in the right direction. And then they scream and they're like, what? Oh, no, I'm murdered. Also, in case you're wondering if anyone starts asking questions about where this cop disappeared to you, they don't. Yeah, I know. That's not part of the plot. No one. Just like no one ever asked questions about what happened to Max either. Yeah, exactly. He just disappears. And well, no one has any follow-up questions. He's a swarmy nerd. No one likes him. Like, I'm sure his employer's good. I know. So the fisherman comes after her, and she escapes out of the back of the cop car through a broken window. 
She runs to her family store where her sister is closing up and is infuriatingly slow opening this door. So Gosh. I guess she just, like forgets the key also and like has to go back and get oh, it. Oh, I know. Even though she's clearly, I mean, you can tell she's about to be murdered the way that she's I know, screaming. She's so frantic. Yeah. I mean, I guess they just didn't want us to feel bad when the sister gets murdered. <laughs> so she gets inside and big surprise, the fisherman also gets inside I guess they didn't lock the back door fast enough. He just immediately went around the back. I guess because maybe because she, she loudly said, like, you could have just gone through the back door. It's open. Maybe she said it loud enough that he could hear. Probably. She's the worst. So he goes in and kills the sister, and then he chases Sarah Michelle Geller all around the building. And she gives a good chase, and then she jumps out a window into a dumpster. During all of this, Julie finds an article about Susie being survived by her fisherman father. Ben, dun, dun, dun. ben Willis and figures it out. Helen runs through the alley and finds her way out to the parade and is almost there. She's like seven feet from the parade when the fisherman catches and attacks her in a display that someone definitely would have noticed. I get it. It's like a marching band walking by and this is a dark alley. There's still a person being murdered in there and they're not hiding it. Yeah. So I really think somebody would have noticed that. This is not a town of observant people. Yeah, exactly. They're firmly mind your own business people. Well, I mean, New England, that checks out. Yeah. Actually. We don't understand what young people do these days. We're just going to leave them alone. And we don't care to. (laughs) Julie finds Ray on his boat at night and tells him her theory that they killed Susie's father, who had just killed David Egan, but Susie's father didn't actually die. How did Susie's father survive this? He's basically Michael Myers. I know. He was run over by a car and then knocked out and then now, dumped in a fair, river. He wasn't run over. He was just hit and thrown. True. I think that makes it better. I feel like that's easier to survive than running over. Is it? I don't know. I mean, it looks like not he may have been thrown against a, wa- a rock wall or something. Maybe not. But yeah. So then he was dumped in the ocean. And that yeah. body, that body sank. I do not know what was in his shoes, but that was not a floating corpse. No, it was not. And they didn't do anything to no, tie it down. Tie I anything. assume that he, like, walked around with, like, just rolls of pennies in yeah. the bottom of his shoes. It was a training thing. His legs were so strong. Maybe that's why he survived. Yeah, he was able to swim to shore that way. He didn't get a concussion from being hit by the car, so he didn't have disorientation problems. Well, that actually increased the blood flow to his brain, but in a way that made him smarter and faster. I like it. That's how he's able to clean up so fast. Never mind. I'm glad we talked this through. It makes sense now. Yeah, he's basically a superhero villain. Got it. Who maybe needs to work on his anger management issues. Yeah, I know. Like, it wasn't enough to kill the person who killed his daughter. He also had to kill the teenagers and anyone around them. Okay. Now look at this from his point of view. His daughter gets killed in a car wreck that is someone else's fault. So he goes to avenge her death. On his, literally on his way back from avenging her death, he gets fake murdered. And now he has to avenge his own would-be death. This is bad luck. He's got a string of bad luck for him. His family had a rough time. I just like that he doesn't almost get killed and think, oh, I get it. Maybe, Maybe I shouldn't have killed that other guy. No. No, what? But then I Who love it. Who are you on? <laughs> no. But then I love that the first person he decides to kill is Max, who had absolutely nothing to do with his murder, didn't even know who he was. It is pretty weird that he decided to kill Max. And then he just, like, stops caring who knows that he's a killer. Like, he just starts killing people left and right. I know. He had no escape plan. Oh, like, no. once the police finally figured out what was happening and were like, wait, what happened to our officer? Yeah, like, there was going to, I mean, that town was going to be on lockdown. But as long as those four kids are dead, I guess nothing else matters. Worth it. So at this point, Julie looks down at the boat's name and sees it's Billy Blue and accuses Ray of being the mysterious friend of David as well as the murderer, which is uh, weird. Like that motivation doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I guess if he just like went crazy. Yeah, went crazy be after fine. being forced to cover up a murder. Which I argued strongly for it. So yeah, I know. I would just say that he was actually just a very lazy liar. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, you couldn't think of another name. It just makes me think that he showed up at the house with no, no story. No idea. And like, you're like, what's your name? Like, uh, Billy Blue. The one thing I didn't plan for. It's a good thing that he named his boat a human name. Yeah, exactly. So she runs away from Ray 
and Ray chases after her, but gets knocked out. I don't like gets attacked by an unseen person. Mm. I don't. I, I honestly, guys, I just couldn't <laughs> be bothered to rewind it to like see what actually happened because I've seen this before. So I, I was like, oh, I didn't see the circumstances. But he's knocked out on the ground, and there's a, a solicitous man on the docks at night. So already, already very trustworthy. Well, she trusted him because he wasn't wearing a rain slicker. Exactly. Uh, if they're not wearing a rain slicker, you're safe. Exactly. We don't even know if that guy owns a rain slicker, unlike Ray, the murderer. <laughs> yes. So she gets inside the cabin and sees photos of all of them labeled. The man comes inside and says, happy 4th of July or something like that. Kids like you should, should, should be out having fun, running people over, getting away with it, getting away with murder. Says the multiple murderer. Well, that was different. That was after another attempted murder. (laughs) This man was staggering around the middle of the road at night. Well, that, but that's because he just committed a murder, which is hard work. (laughs) But he only committed a murder because of manslaughter. (laughs) So let he who is without murder cast the first murder, Rose. (laughs) Touche. Yeah, I thought so. He chases Julie around the boat, and then Ray shows up, so he chases him instead. While Ray and Ben Willis fight, Julie shows up just long enough to shout at Ray and distract him so that he's knocked overboard, and also she gives away her location. So, good job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to throw this around, but Julie was being a real Veronica Cartwright. So Julie locks herself in the engine room or something. I don't know what boats are. She's running around the bowels of the boat and finally ends up in the ice room with the fakest ice I have ever seen in my life. Somehow, this guy has already managed to move both Barry and Helen's bodies to the ice room of his boat. I mean, I feel like he was just moving them back there and then happened across his other two murder victims and was like, perfect. This is great timing. Yeah, I mean, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth, Anna. I know. Meanwhile, Ray is back on the boat. He's out of the water, and he's climbing all over the sails. Ben finally corners Julie, but his hand is caught in the ropes. Ray does something with ropes. Again, ships are magic. <laughs> it pulls the rope up and pulls Ben up with it. And when it hits the pulley, his hand gets cut off. He gets dropped again and then caught by his feet and then swung over into the water. This was a very final destination death. I know. But now he can finally have a real hook for a hand. I know. I feel like this should have happened during the first murder or the attempted murder at the beginning. And then he could have had a hook for a hand and it would have been fine. It's a little on the nose. Finally, they do call the cops over something and lie to the cops about... We have no idea why he would have murdered us. Now that there's no way they can get put in jail for anything. Exactly. Let's call the cops. Right. (laughs) But they are finally reconciled. Now they're back together. Because they know they didn't kill anyone? So, like, except that they did. They tried to. I don't know. But it was different than a... I don't know. I still feel like I would be like, look, I know we've been through some stuff, but, like, still, I just don't want to think about this. Like, we need to still break up. Seriously. I mean, I guess they were like, well, we tried to kill someone, but we tried to kill a murderer, even though we didn't know he was a murderer, so I guess it's fine. It's still not good. I would still be something I would like to forget, if given the option. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nope, not her. She's going to go back to dating this guy. Especially because you still know that under the right circumstances, you could be pressured into not reporting a murder. Right. You both know that about each other. And And hiding a body. And you know that he would pressure you to do it. He would make you make a choice that you were not comfortable with and be okay with it because he thought he was going to get in trouble. Right. And he wouldn't be willing to do the right thing at the cost of his own freedom. But these two lines explain it all. No one gets me the way you do. I understand your pain. So magical. Gold. (laughs) The cop's net only pulls up a hand with a hook. And they're like, eh, the body will probably turn up. They usually do. Then Julie's back at college. And she's getting into the shower and talking to Ray on the phone. Because in the communal showers, you talk on the phone. There's no one else there. There weren't. There was no one there. Also, they seem really big. 
They were huge. I mean, like, I didn't go, I didn't stay in a dorm with communal showers ever, but, like, I have visited dorms with communal showers, and they did not look that nice. None of them look like that, unless you are in a very well-funded sports program. And then her roommate brings her a piece of mail, because I always take people's mail to them wherever they are, even if they're in the shower. Yeah. And, of course, mail is so important that she gets out of the shower room to go look at it right away. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, she does have a history with mail where maybe she would want to know what it said. It's true. Well, she's worried it's another note. But psych, it's just an invitation to a party. Which is totally what you would bring to someone while they were taking a shower. Also, it's You couldn't leave that in her dorm room. It's also totally, I guess, what people mail out personal invitations to sorority parties. So she goes back in the showers, but written on one of the doors in the fog is, I still know. She looks around, and then the fisherman jumps through the glass at her, still in full fisherman garb. He's still wearing a slicker. Well. So how did he get in there? (laughs) Full slicker. Was it just the same confidence just carried him right through? Also, what was the glass a window to? I mean, it was a shower stall. So he was hiding in a shower stall before the showers got turned on when you still could have seen through it. He just knew this is the time she... She takes a shower. It's always empty from everyone else. Right. He's done his gross peeping Tom homework. He really did. And the fact that he was able to do it in a girl's dorm was even more impressive. <laughs> I know. Oh, my goodness. And it's a it's a good ending, but it's weird because there's also a sequel. With her in it. Yeah. So I guess she escapes this. I guess so. I actually have seen the sequel, but I can't remember at all what it is. <laughs> Probably because I saw too many Scream sequels, so now that's all I can remember. <laughs> yeah. So this is written by the same person that wrote Scream. This was written before Scream. Okay. But it was made after Scream. Yeah. Honestly, this was the worst mo- movie between them. Oh, yeah. I mean, Scream was much better. And so people either liked it or didn't like it, depending on how much they liked the uh, referential stuff in Scream. Yes. I liked the referential stuff. I liked it too. But so I didn't I didn't care for this. Yeah. It wasn't really it was, just, like Scream was doing something. This wasn't really this was just a, a typical teen slasher film that is of course riddled with plot holes and you know, cardboard cutouts for characters. Yeah, I know, exactly. How did it do? It did super duper well. Its budget was seventeen million dollars mm-hmm. and it made a hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Oh my goodness. No wonder they made a sequel. Yes. Well there were two sequels actually, but the second one was released direct to DVD. I don't know why, considering it was only made eight years later and had none of the original characters in it. Well that's what everything that people love about sequels. Come on, y'all. That's what I love about horror movie sequels. Yeah. So next up, we're going to start our next series. And this is actually a series that I, 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 I enjoy quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen them all. Including, yeah, I also enjoy all the sequels. Yeah. Which is Resident Evil. Starring Mila Jojovich. The best, possibly the best movie ever based on a video game. For sure the best one I've ever seen. Still, it is based on a video game. Yeah. So that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.